Let's pray. Lord, we need you this morning. We need you every morning. We need you every moment. Holy Spirit, we ask you to just come and keep our ears open, our hearts positioned in a place of humility and hunger before you. Father, our minds set fully on listening to you, Lord, being sensitive, Lord, to your word, sensitive to your leading. Thank you, God, for continuing to move as we gather here as family. We love you, Jesus, so much. Mm, amen. I hey, well, hope you all have had a good week. We're going to uh, talk about something really fun this morning. Um, if you weren't here the last week or the week before, Pastor Glenn's been going through a uh, little series called Alignment, and uh, it's really good. He talked to, you're like, oh, is that what he was talking about, waterfalls? Yes, he, he had this message on waterfalls. Um, but uh, he talked about, last week he talked about practical ways that we can take steps or practical steps we can take to get into and remain under the waterfall, which is God's mercy and outpouring of abundant blessing. Okay, so last week he walked us through three practical steps. Pop quiz, anybody remember what they were? Appropriate the promises. That was number three. Good job. Come on. <laughs> All right, read uh, number one. Number one, that wasn't meant to be conviction, but maybe it was convicting. Number one, read and meditate on God's word. Number two, position yourself physically in places and times of direct beholding. And number three was appropriate God's promises, meaning as most of God's promises in Scripture are conditional in that if you will, then I will context type of a thing. So, um, but what I want to do today is actually dive into in a little more detail just uh, the first step that he brought up, which was read and meditate on God's word. I've had this message burning about the Word of God for a long time, so I was like, ping, now's the time, and uh, it's, it's really fun. So uh, this is at least going to be the first part of it. The Word of God, the Bible, is so necessary. Do you believe that? Hopefully, if you didn't, you will in 30 minutes. Within 30 minutes, it's so necessary, yet so often neglected. It's neglected in our culture today. We know that. That's obvious. Uh, we hear it. You hear it in the. You hear it in the news, even talking about how you know scripture verses are getting torn down off of places, and you know the Bible can't be read here, and prayer can't be prayed here. So we know that it's devalued in culture more and more. Uh, but it's actually even that, that devaluing has unfortunately crept its way into to the church in some areas. Um, the, chur the church, universal, believers everywhere is what I'm saying there. Obviously, it's not, not everyone and it's not every church, uh, but it has crept in. Um, I, I meet more, and to hear me out on this, is it, I didn't know any other way to kind of say this, but I meet more biblically illiterate Christians all the time. And I don't mean you're a Bible scholar. I mean, that if you're not a Bible scholar, you're biblically illiterate. I mean that they have a set of beliefs, and most, if not all of them, aren't actually rooted or grounded or coming from Scripture or a biblical standpoint. They're coming from some other place. Okay, Psalm 119, 105 says, says Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And I feel like some, some Christians, some followers of Jesus, may uh, how this Psalm 119, 105 might actually look as they walk out their own life, it might look like 
You know that song? It's an Amy Grant song, right? Thy word is a lamp. I'm not going to sing it. <laughs> and a light unto my path. That one's free. We're going to have to edit that, Derek, out of the recording. But they might actually instead sing um, uh, my worship songs are a light unto my feet, or a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. My favorite preacher is a light unto my path, or a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. My prophetic gifting is a lamp unto my feet. My knowledge of the word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You see what happened? We actually change it from a your, your, your to a my, my, my. It's your word, your revealed truth, your, to actually act something that I have is what guides me. Even notice the, the knowledge of the word. Hey, I have a knowledge of the word and that guides me. No, 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 no. The word guides you. Your knowledge of it doesn't. Okay? All right. Say amen if you agree. Don't say anything if you don't. Okay. Following Jesus without being rooted in his word continually, so it's not like a routine that happens, right? R-O-O-T-I-N-G. We don't get rooted and then we're good. We get rooted and stay rooted, right? So we don't get dug up. Uh, but without, following Jesus without being rooted continually in his word, in the Bible, is like sending a soldier out to battle with no gun and no body armor. Okay, how many of you, you guys know who Chris Kyle is? Good, was his good Texas boy. How many of you have read his autobiography? Well, I have. Um, and uh, so one of, I mean, next to the Bible and some of, and most of Bill Johnson's books and Randy Clark's books, that's one of, that's probably one of my favorite books I've ever read. Just what a, what a good man that he was. If you don't know his story, he was a Navy SEAL. Um, and he, uh, um, he entered the, the Navy at an older age, um, and they used to call him old man. They used to call him all kinds of stuff. But he actually is the, uh, he was a sniper. They made a movie about him called American Sniper. Maybe some of y'all saw that. Um, book's way better. Movie doesn't do it. Um, but he, he has the most confirmed kills and uh, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of more unconfirmed kills of any sniper in history. Um, he was one of the most effective soldiers uh, at his job that's ever been in our military. Uh, hero, all the recipient of countless awards, very selfless in the way that he lived his life and the way that he served his country. Um, he, he, the quick story of his life is he, he went in, he was in the military for several years uh, in the early or late 90s, early 2000s, got out of the military and was helping um, injured veterans that were, had PTSD and that had a lot of other um, psychological and emotional issues. He's helping them cope and heal by taking them to the shooting range and teaching them how to be a sniper, basically, teaching them how to shoot. And unfortunately, he got murdered by one of the people that he was helping. Um, yeah, it was a sad story. He had the, the longest and largest funeral procession uh, ever recorded in Texas history down I-35. The most people attended, the most amount of miles, the most cars, vehicles involved. They shut down businesses. It was huge. I think that was in 2012 or 10. I can't remember the year. It was a while ago. Anyways, Chris Kyle, he used, it, you send him out into the battlefield without his Winchester 300 and without his dragon skin body armor, and he's, he got shot twice. Well, like, uh, and, that, and he wasn't wearing Navy-issue body armor, okay, because 
probably wouldn't be telling the same story if he was. His parents had bought him, or his in-laws had bought him about $4,000 worth of what's called dragon skin body armor. He got shot twice, and it didn't kill him. Okay, so if you send him out into that same battlefield with the same skills, same knowledge, same experience, right, same character, same everything, but with no body armor and no gun, he's not the same Chris Kyle. That was a lot of stuff to say that following Jesus without being in his, rooted in his word is like going to battle with no armor and no gun. It really doesn't matter how gifted you are. It really doesn't matter how much experience you have. It really doesn't matter how many skills you have, how, what the good teaching, training you've gone through. If you go out there without armor and, and a gun, you're, you're going to get killed. All right. Ephesians 6, uh, 10 through 18 actually refers to the word of God as the sword of the spirit. It says the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God's it's a weapon. Well, one of the things we talked about before we get into uh, the meat of the message today, uh, we talked about, uh, actually last week in Sunday school, Derek Akers brought it up, how we have to actually be careful. Because this is, this is uh, listed as a, as a weapon, as a sword, right? Sword, weapons are used in defense and offense, okay? Uh, but because of that, we actually have to be careful to make sure that we, if you're at my home group on Friday, we talked about this, we have to be careful actually not to use the word of God improperly, meaning to try to cut down my brother, right? But hey, Kyle, actually, look at what I know. What I know is better than what you know. And I'm cutting his legs off saying, well, it's the sword, right? And so, no, 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 no. We have to, we actually have to use it with love and humility the way that, that's, that when, when Paul writes to Timothy, as we're going to see in a minute, he, some, some translations say rightly divide the word of truth. This one says it's correctly handled. It means you have to, we actually have to treat it with the respect, with the honor, with the, with the care that it deserves, or else we could start to use it for our own really kind of selfish gains, okay, or our own selfish motives, because guess what? I don't know about you, but I'm prone to do that. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Woo! That's it. You're dismissed. No, okay. All right, so here we go. So this week, I want to tackle the question, how do we approach the Word of God? Okay. It's kind of like a step one into a long list, probably a lot of steps, uh, um, about how to correctly handle the word of truth. Okay, So if you have notes, if you don't have notes, you can just stick your hand up and one of our ushers, um, probably Todd, thanks for serving today, we'll get you some notes. Just keep your hand up if you need some, and uh, it's got all the, most of the scriptures that we'll handle uh, today are in there. Okay, So the first thing that we do in, handle it, or in approaching the word of God is we approach it in humility. These are uh, purposefully, in your notes, purposefully not numbered, because we're going to go through four things today, but there's, there's not like an order. It's not a progression like, well, first I get humble, and then I do this thing, and then, no, it's like all the time we always use all four of them to go in. We just, it's like this cluster, this cluster of things that we grab, and we approach the Word of God with all of them. That's why they're not in order, but we got to talk about them in some sort of order. Um, so humility's first. Probably also a good place to start if you have to start somewhere. Okay, so turn your Bibles, or if you want, or you can follow along in your notes to 2 Timothy chapter 2. Paul writes this letter to Timothy. He's a young preacher. 
um, who is very, very well grounded and rooted in the scripture. We know that from 2 Timothy 3.15. He talks about how, how actually he has a heritage of being brought up in the word of God. Okay? He knows the scriptures that were, that were given to him as a young child. Actually, we preached about that months ago about how it's actually never too early to start reading the word of God over your kids. So although they may not have an intellectual grasp on it, there's spiritual power where there's where regardless of intellect. Okay, the word's just powerful like that, okay? But so Paul writes to Timothy about how to approach the word um, and knowing that it's gonna require great humility. 2 Timothy 2, 14 through 16 says this. Paul says, Timothy, keep reminding God's people of these things. Warn them before God against quarreling about words. It is of no value. It only ruins those who listen. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles, or your version might say, rightly divides the word of truth. Verse 16, avoid godless chatter because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly and their teaching will spread like gangrene. It's a good Sunday word, gangrene. Godless chatter. You guys know an example of godless chatter is with the word that we give that? Gossip. Whoever said that, 10 points. Gossip. So actually, in the content, as we're gonna see, if you have a chance to read the whole letter to Timothy, actually a, a big central theme in this whole letter is the word of God. We're gonna get to another couple of verses here from the same letter in just a second. But he's actually talking a lot about being be rooted in the word, always stay in the word. We know that you were brought up in the word. Go back to the word. He tells him what the word's useful for. And he's really preparing Timothy for his ministry time. Um, the reason, one, I think one of the reasons, well, I'm not going to go there yet, but um, pride will always cause us to use the word of God improperly or to, to not correctly handle uh, the word of truth. In order to correctly handle the word of truth, we have to approach it in humility. I'll tell you just a personal story um, of mine. When I, uh, about 2009, maybe, yeah, 2009, I already knew everything that there was to, knew, to know about the word of God. <laughs> Um, I was learned. I had our. I was learned in the scriptures, learned in the word. And uh, and I, I say that I say that lightly, but you need to understand. I I really did kind of think that. That's pride. Okay, write that one down. Uh, and what that actually caused me to do. Not only did it cause me to not let the Holy Spirit, this is kind of a spoiler where we're going, but not let the Holy Spirit help me in understanding his word because as we'll see in a second, this is actually only understood by the Holy Spirit in no other way. But actually, actually what I did was I used it as a weapon improperly against brothers and sisters that didn't believe the same way that I did, okay? I'd use it to tear them down and build me up, not Jesus, okay? So that's another thing that it does when you don't correctly handle the word. And then I would... I would be approached with a question sometimes by people like, well, what about? And I wouldn't have the answer, so I'd make one up. Well, the Bible says, and then I'd fill in the blank, and I would add to it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> God's already forgiven me. So, but the root of all that, you know what the root of all that was? Pride. Didn't want to be wrong. Didn't want to be, now I'm happy to be wrong. You know why I'm happy to be wrong? it leads to me being right. 
<laughs> actually, like what he says is right, not what I say was right. Like now, I, what I did actually, and some of you have heard my story, what I did is the Lord started to confront me with all these things, started to show me what I was doing and show me what the fruit of what I was believing and how I was teaching and how I was believing it. And it wasn't even so much what I had gotten and, and formed a belief on, it was how I got there and what I was doing with it. Okay, it was not good. It was not honoring him. It was not glorifying him. It was trying to glorify myself. And obviously, I didn't go into it doing it that way. I'm not like, hmm, I'm gonna glorify myself today. No, I like pray, Lord, I'm gonna glorify you today, God, I love you, and I do it. But then I would do it wrong, okay? And really what it came down to was the Lord was like, are you willing to abandon everything you think you know to allow me to teach you everything I want you to know? Uh, and it, and it, was not an, it wasn't like a, well, yeah. No, it was like a process of several months of, of having a friend of mine on a parallel track, but about nine months ahead of me, have his own just like, ugh, you know, he'd come to me just like, ugh, you know, just physically in pain over the fact that what he had known and been taught in college, he just realized wasn't actually the truth. And, he, and he'd go back and he'd get up and he'd re-preach messages and repent before the whole church. I preached it wrong. You know, I preached that the Holy Spirit doesn't come, and all these things, and he'd say sorry. And I was like, oh, no, I'm going to do the same thing. And, but it wasn't until I went, all right, Lord, I'd rest, I remember holding my Bible. I went, I don't know what's in here. I want you to show me. And, then I did, and I really did. It was hard to try to unlearn and forget everything I think I know, and I just started over. I, I mean, the thing, like, I was still saved, like, you know, I know Jesus is God. I knew some principles, but I went. But primarily, doctrine of the Holy Spirit, things like this, the goodness of God, the character of God. I didn't know, so I started over. Started in Genesis, power on through, and just see that the Lord. I mean, Old Testament, New Testament, poetry. Didn't matter what book it was in. I was like, whoa, God's different than I thought. Holy Spirit is going to help us when we ask, but it takes humility. All right. Second way we approach the Word of God is in obedience. Really, even there's like a sub kind of precursor to obedience is we have to believe the word, the word is true or we're not going to obey it. Norm Minky shared, I hope it's okay that I share this, Norm. I'll ask forgiveness but then, rather than permission. So, but it's, he shared a testimony at our home group on Friday. He said, Nate, when I truly, when I truly, truly got saved, when I truly, truly had an encounter with the Lord unto salvation, the first fruit of that was I instantly believed the entire Bible was true. I instantly believe, he said, now, you didn't know everything that was in it. <laughs> He's like, still don't. You're getting there. But, but, he did, but he went, I believe it's true, all of it. And if we can stand on that, believing that it's true, because it says it is, because he says it is, because it's his word, we'll be in a good place for obedience, okay? 2 Timothy 3.16, it says, all scripture, say all scripture, you know what all means? Good job. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I want to be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And it says that that really, that really comes through here, through the word of God. It's all God-breathed. It's all useful. It's a tool. Now, Scripture does more. That means Scripture, it encourages, right? You can, there's healing to be found in the Word, right? There's strength, joy. There's all kinds of things. But in this context, Paul's writing to Timothy, telling him how to lead people, 
saying you are going to need to teach, you're going to need to rebuke, you're going to need to correct, you're going to need to train. The Bible is going to be the tool that you use to do that. All right. I've got a quote here. I, can't, I think it's in your notes. quote here from John Wesley. This one's for you, Kyle. <laughs> quote here for John, from John Wesley concerning the Scriptures. It says, concerning the Scriptures in general, it may be observed the word of the living God, which directed the first patriarchs also, was and or was in the time of Moses committed to writing. To this were added in several succeeding generations the inspired writings of the other prophets. Afterward, what the Son of God preached and the Holy Ghost spake by the apostles, the apostles and evangelists wrote. This is what we now style the Holy Scripture. This is that word of God which remaineth forever, of which, though heaven and earth pass away, one jot or tittle shall not pass away. We'll just say word. The scripture, therefore, of the Old, Test Old and New Testament is a most solid and precious system of divine truth. Every part thereof, every part thereof is worthy of God, and all together are one entire body, wherein is no defect, no excess. It is the fountain of heavenly wisdom, which they who are able to taste prefer to all writings of men, however wise or learned or holy. John Wesley had that revelation. He stood on the Bible as being complete, true, necessary, powerful, preeminent. He, he knew. I just love that. I love that. James 1, 22, that's your, pre, that's your precursor. The Bible's true. James 1, 22 through 25 says, this is as unto obedience. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. I may have been almost a year ago now, Pastor Glenn preached a message out of this passage where he brought a mirror up here. Remember? And he, reflect, what do you see, what do you see, what do you see? It's, it's a it's very similar concept that if we look in that mirror and forget what we see, we're like someone who listens to the word of God but doesn't do what it says. So we approach the word of God with a heart eager for obedience, eager to do. And really, guys, it's easy to do the things that we already want to do. It's easy to do the things that we get excited about. Like the word of God says worship. You're like, I love worship. right? Well, the word of God actually says to worship when you don't feel like it. Well, I don't like doing that. The word of God says to remain sexually pure out if, unless you're in marriage. Well, I don't really want to do that. That's a little harder. Actually, I have some reasons why my situation's different. Can't do that. When the word of God says that I'm, that I'm not, well, we have lots of examples. You get the idea. Sometimes the word of God is going to tell you that's, what, that's why, as Timothy said, it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, because sometimes we need correction. I'd rather be corrected by the word of God than by an opinion of man. It's not always wrong. Sometimes people can bring you something that's a useful correction, like when a cop pulls you over and tells you you shouldn't speed. Like, well, the Bible doesn't say don't speed. No, the Bible says submit to your governmental authorities who say don't speed. So, you know... So we just got to be careful, right? 
All right, two more. Next way that we approach the word of God is with earnest desire. 1 Peter 2, 1 through 3. It says, therefore, rid yourselves of malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander of every kind, and like newborn babies, crave spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. It's a true story. They did a study about 15 years ago, okay? 15 years ago, scientists did a study, and the outcome of their study and their research determined that breast milk was the best thing to give babies. 15 years ago. Duh. 15 years ago. Like, I graduated in high school, and they're like, we've determined that breast milk is the best choice for babies. You determined what? No, 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 no. Oh, my goodness, guys. I, 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 a different switch flipped in me when I heard that. I was like, and, and that people were like, thank you for spending the money on that research. Now I will breastfeed my child. I was like, oh, my gosh. Oh, they said especially the colostrum that's produced when the baby first feeds. Duh. Anyways, well, no, this isn't a message about breast milk. <laughs> but, uh, but I do have to tell you one story. I have to tell you. The first time I heard Francis Chan, Kaylee used to go to, you guys know who Francis Chan is? Great guy, I love him. First time I ever heard him preach, I may have told you this story before, but uh, Kaylee used to go to his church in Simi Valley, Cornerstone Church. Um, so I started dating Kaylee. This was before he'd written any books. This is before anybody really knew who he was. And uh, God knew who he was. That's really all he cared about. And uh, so we go there, and uh, she's like, oh, yeah, Francis is our pastor. I'm like, okay, I don't know who that is. And um, so he, they're like, worship, done. Like, okay, now the message or whatever. So Francis walks up, and you see him walk up, and he walks up on the stage, and he turns around, and he has two balloons under his chest, like this. I'm like, I'm like, Baptist boy, this is not legal in church, right? I'm like, I don't know what's happening, but I don't like it. But I think it's funny. But I know I'm not supposed to think it's funny. I just wrestle, and they're like, repenting, like, am I saved? Anyways, so they... But he, he, he spoke out of this passage, out of 1 Peter 2, 1 through 3. I never forget the message about spiritual milk versus spiritual meat. And that was his object lesson. And after about 30 seconds, he took him out so people would stop laughing. But anytime I read this passage, I just laugh thinking of Francis with two little balloons underneath his shirt. So thank you, Francis Chan. But breast milk's an amazing creation that God gave mothers and babies. And breast milk, if you don't know, actually contains everything the baby needs. Totally complete. Baby doesn't need anything else. Now, if the baby's not on breast milk, you get, and sometimes you got to give them formula plus vitamins plus supplements plus minerals. Plus, you got to get this balance of trying, or like, oh, and then they start lacking in something, and they start like. But breast milk's complete. It's totally complete. It's amazing to watch Zeke. Zeke's like a little sack of cement, like right, like just like, going to be a linebacker, right? All these things. I like to speak prophetic words over him, and. Uh, and like, like, man, what are you feeding that kid? Milk. <laughs> Breast milk. Yeah, he just, that's it. You know, that's what he eats. Like, whoa. It's so it's amazing. And so no coincidence here that Peter uses this like a newborn baby. I want you to crave spiritual milk. And so sometimes we look at that and we say, well, that's what immature believers need to drink. That's what, that's what immature, because he talks about babies, right? So that's what an immature believer needs is milk. Now, once we get grown up in the faith, we just need meat. Like, okay, 
There's truth in that. But let's not get to the let's not get ourselves to a place in pride where we actually go, yeah, we don't need any of that elementary stuff anymore. We've graduated. We're on to more deeper theological concepts. We use big words like soteriology and things like that, right? And so, no, 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 let's not get to a place where we don't crave spiritual milk. I want to crave spiritual milk because it's complete. I want to crave spiritual milk because it's everything a baby needs, right? Now, Zeke, my son, really, sorry, some of you don't know, I'm a seventh-month-old son. He's starting to eat baby food now, but he's still on milk also, right? So there's this process where we do both. Anyways, you get it. There's a lot of hunger and thirst analogies in the scripture. I always want to approach the word of God hungry and thirsty for everything that the Lord wants me to take from it. I don't want to be malnourished or dehydrated. All right. Lastly, we approach the word of God with the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 2, 12 through 14. It says, what we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. And he says earlier in Corinthians 1.18, says, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. You guys know that, that scholars who are not following Jesus study, have studied the Bible and study the Bible. The things that they draw from it are, some, some of the conclusions they draw are true, just based on, based on English facts or based on text facts. Some of the conclusions that they draw from it are true. But if you give a 40-year veteran English scholar, Greek scholar, whatever, Hebrew scholar, the word of God, and tell them to just explain it to you in three sentences. And if you give the word of God to Zeb, my six-year-old, and you tell him to explain it to you in three sentences, I tell you that I would rather hear what Zeb has to say because he has the Holy Spirit. And I trust that what the Holy Spirit speaks to him is actually what I need to be hearing rather than trusting in the... In the um, uh, mental capacity of men. Okay, so I, want, I always want to know what the Holy Spirit has to say about what he's given to us because this book, we don't worship Father God and, God and Holy Bible. We worship Father God and Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit actually takes God's revelation of himself and teaches us about him. Okay, so if, if we read the word of God and it doesn't point us to the author, we read it wrong. okay. If we, don't, if we don't see this as his way of revealing his own character and how, what he's like and what he wants to do and his love for us, then we're, we, we're going to risk using the weapon the wrong way. When I approach or when we approach the word of God in humility and with an attitude and action of obedience with true hunger and thirst and the Holy Spirit's not quenched and he's free to help us and teach us to grow in spiritual truths and precepts. It's the difference, friends, between what's called exegesis and eisegesis, okay? These are just fancy words. I'll explain what they mean. Exegesis requires the Holy Spirit's help. Eisegesis really doesn't. Um, 
I read the word in exegesis, I read the word, and I let the truth contained in it come out, exo, come out of. I let the truth that's in here come out and penetrate me, okay? I go, Holy Spirit, whatever's in here, I want the truth. No mixture, no Nate, no flesh. I want what's in here to come out and come into me. That's exegesis. No matter what it says, I take it as truth. Okay, that takes the Holy Spirit and truth and all of these tools that we've talked about this morning. We've got to be humble, ready to obey. We've got to be hungry with earnest desire. It takes those things. Okay, uh, eisegesis can be done without the Holy Spirit. It means I come to the word with a preconceived notion, something that I already know. Okay, and I come and I go, let me find out how to l- let this prove what I know. Let me find out how, eisegesis means into, so I'm going to read into this my thought that I have already. I'm going to place my truth into his truth and make it work and make it mesh. Let me give you an example, okay? Um, It's a dangerous example. Uh, 1 Timothy 2.12. I'm just gonna flip over there real quick. I'm just gonna read it to you. 1 Timothy 2.12. Before I read that, um, let's say that I have a belief I go, you know what? I, w- I was raised in a culture and I believe that women shouldn't speak in church and women shouldn't teach in church. We already broke that rule today. But, uh, <laughs> sorry. I go, women should remain silent in church. Now, I have, that pre- I have that thought and I go, well, I need to figure out. I know the Bible says that. First mm, Timothy 2.12, I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over any man, she must be silent. Okay, Bible says what I need it to say. Therefore, my truth is true. Okay, do you guys see what I did? I had a, something I already believed, and I didn't go and say, Lord, teach me what your word says about women in leadership, women in the church, teach me. I go, I need to find the verse that proves my thought. There it is. Now, exegesis, what exegesis does and where the Holy Spirit leads you is leads you to go, oh, Paul's writing to Timothy. Okay, so I start to look at the context. This is what we're gonna talk about next week, practical ways to do this. I go, okay, Paul's writing to Timothy. What's he writing to him about? Well, he's actually writing to him about the church in Ephesus where Timothy is ministering. Okay, let's see. And you read in the book of Acts, you read in Ephesians, you can read here in 1 Timothy, and you learn what's going on in Ephesus. One of the things that's going on in Ephesus is women worship. Okay, they're, they're worshiping the goddess Diana. They're bowing down to Asherah poles, the, the goddess of fertility. It's disgusting what they do. You can study the Ephesian culture and what was happening. It's terrible. It's, it's pornographic and perverted and, and ridiculous. So it's, that's what's happening. So if, if here's where everybody's supposed to be in their rightful place, this is women, this is men, okay, we're, this is our rightful place that God has for us. Women in their culture have been elevated and men have been devalued, okay? So what Paul's doing is he's actually correcting both sides. He's bringing a correction to a specific group of people for a specific time because of a specific sin, and he's trying to bring the women down to their proper place and raise the men up to their proper place. This is a much larger topic than what we're going to go into today, okay? But we cannot just grab one verse and go, see, I'm waving my flag, this is my one verse, my one truth I'm gonna stand on, and I don't care what any of y'all say, and I don't care, I, I needed my verse that proves what I say. You guys see the danger in that, okay? That's eisegesis, where I take my thought and I implant it into his word and say, make it work. Exegesis 
is where we need to be. Eisegesis is dangerous. All right. In closing, worship team, come on up. Please, thank you. I think these are in your notes, too. Just some closing things. The word of God is necessary. We need it. I bet you most of y'all in this room have a, a, testimony, a personal testimony of how the word of God has ministered to you. Well, that's, that's what it's there for. <laughs> how the word of God has helped you. How many of you guys do the, the um, uh, what's it called? Bible roulette, right? Where you're like, Lord, are you gonna speak to me today? Okay, there's a place for that. There's a place for that. It's not, it's, it shouldn't be your, it shouldn't be your only go-to, right? <laughs> like, what'd you study today? I don't know, let's see, <laughs> you know? But a lot of the times, a lot of the times, I'm like, Lord, especially when I'm hurting, I'm crying out to the Lord. I'm like, Lord, and I look down, and my eyes are just stuck to one part of the page that gives me the answer that I need. And I'm like, oh, because his word's alive. That's the last point I skipped ahead. It's necessary. We need it. It's true. It's holy, set apart, and it's compl- that means it's different than other books. Don't add to it. Don't take away from it. It's complete. It is written for me to understand by the Holy Spirit. It's not written for you to understand in man's wisdom. It's written for you to understand by the power and understanding of the Holy Spirit that comes through the Holy Spirit. It always points to and reveals the author. I love that. It always points to and reveals the author, God. It's alive and it's always relevant in the in current when we study the Bible, a lot of the times, a lot of the times we'll say like, well, that was just a cultural thing. And there are some things like that. That was just like, like women aren't supposed to have braided hair because that's what the prostitutes did. Y'all can have braided hair. It's okay. Like there's some cultural things that we learn that are like, okay, that, that, but that's another thing about looking at the context. Okay. This thing, feel bad going to the thing. This book, this revelation is timeless and eternal. Like his word, like John Wesley said, not one word, he said jot or tittle, I just can't say that. His one, not one word's gonna pass away. I love that about the word of God, that it's timeless, it's always relevant, it's always current, it's always for today. And when we get away from it and try to walk through and handle the cares of this life without it. It's like running out to the battlefield without your body armor and without your gun. You're just a sitting target for the enemy. You're a sitting and you're and you're you're sitting target for the enemy, and you're not effective for the rest of the rest of your army. I want to be effective in the army of God, and I don't want to be a sitting target. Lord, help us. Help us to correctly handle your word. Help us, Jesus, to approach the word of God in true humility, in obedience, in earnest desire. Thank you, Lord, and with your Holy Spirit. Father, I don't ever want to be, I don't ever want to be guilty, again, because I've been guilty in the past. I don't ever want to be guilty 
of trying to change your word to prove a point that I want to carry. I don't ever want to be guilty of trying to change your word to mean something that you don't intend it to mean. I don't ever want to be guilty of trying to use your word against a brother or a sister as a weapon to say, look how right I am and wrong you are like I used to do. Lord, I don't want to be guilty of knowledge puffing up. I thank you that you've chosen to use the foolish things of this world to confound the wise and the learned. Father, I ask God that you'd give us a new and fresh hunger for your word today, a joy in reading the Bible. It can be a chore, it can be a discipline, it can be a burden. And I just say, of course it is. Of course you fall asleep every time you try to read the word. That's what the devil wants. He doesn't want you to read it. He doesn't want you to have it written on your heart. Father, give us the courage to press through, to fight for our Bible time, to fight for our prayer time, to fight for our worship time, to say no to the things that come in and try to rob that time out of our days. The time when we get into your revelation about who you are, the time when we encounter you and position ourselves in those physical times of direct beholding. Lord, I want to get to and remain under the waterfall of your mercy and abundant blessing. And I thank you that you've given us a tool we have readily available. Some of us have multiple volumes of this amazing, amazing tool that you've given us. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for the word of God. response this morning, if you feel that the Holy Spirit moving on you, our prayer team is going to be here at the front. If you need prayer for anything at all, you can come up for that. One of the things I want you to be thinking about, like I shared my own story with you about repenting for not holding the word of God or for not rightly dividing or correctly handling the word of truth, just if you've been, if you, if you hear that check, you know, he comes to you as a loving father. He doesn't come to you as a father wanting to bring shame and guilt. That's the voice of the accuser. He comes with a voice of intercession saying, come back to me. Set aside the selfish way of looking at my word and look at it in humility. But if you, if you feel that maybe that's something that you've done, I just want you to take this time to repent and just to ask the Lord for, for really his heart concerning the scriptures also just pray in agreement that same prayer I just prayed that we would approach the word of God rightly and daily and that we would really fill ourselves with it and meditate on it and speak it out loud it really become part of our language that that's what we go to and quote that that's what we say when we're hurting that that's what we say when we get angry but that's but, but, but there's truths that we repeat we repeat we repeat and then the last thing I want to point out is feel a real heaviness this morning, a good heaviness on, on praying for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you've never experienced the baptism or, or infilling of the, of the Holy Spirit, and there's, there's different evidences that the word, 
tells us about. Sometimes you, you speak in tongues, a, a prayer language that the, the Lord gives you a way to pray in the Spirit. It's beautiful. It really, really, really helps in communing with the Lord. It helps and sometimes get hard. Many of you have a prayer language and can attest and testify to that. The other evidences are just peace. Some are prophecy. Any, any number of things. Sometimes people shake and fall down. And as long as it's the Holy Spirit, we welcome it. But I want to pray for you. Actually, no, I'm going to have Kyle and Brooke pray for you. For the filling of the Holy Spirit. If you've never, or if you want that, or if you want a fresh touch, if it's been a long time and you want a fresh touch from the Holy Spirit, they're going to lay hands on you and we're just going to expect and anticipate the Holy Spirit's going to show up and give you everything you've been looking for.